told you this, Gertie, but she, uh, she, uh, she left me. Tess left me for six months. She moved back in with her parents. I know. She gave me a second chance and promised her a change. You have changed, Sam. Hey, Gertie, since I've been up here, I've sent Tess, I've sent her over a hundred video messages. Where did those messages go? Did they ever reach her? Sam, I can only account for what occurs on the base. What about the messages she sent to me? Sam, I can only account for what occurs on the base. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Vartek. How are you doing? I'm doing... Okay, good. How are you, Ryan? I am doing okay, good too, Bartek. How are you doing again? I'm doing okay, good. (laughs) Start the episode over again. No, we're never, never starting over again. I'm Ryan, that's Bartek. We're spitting Polish, likingly, because we're always spitting. We both happen to be Polish, and we're presenting to you a podcast in which you listen to us talk about a feature film. Alternatively, because it's December, it's a present. Ooh, I've never heard you use that one before. Mm. I'm going to mark that down in the list of Bartek new things he brought to the podcast. Oh, fuck. In previous years for December episodes, I say ho, ho, ho instead of hello. Well... Starting the whole month over again. Yeah. Well, next Let's week... re-record every episode. Next week will be the episode before Christmas. So, so there I'll you go. But we're talking about a movie that has come recommended. That is the pitch of our show, Pictures Powwow, or the original PP. And we are talking about Moon from uh, 2009. I thought it was 2008, but it's 2009, I do believe. Moon, starring Sam Rockwell and the voice of Kevin Spacey, and there's some other people in the movie we can discuss. Yes, uh, the one name I was like, oh, he's in this. I told you that last week. They said, there's going to be somebody in here that you'll react going, oh, they're here? (laughs) And that's a great reaction to have is, oh, Mm. they're here too. Uh, So if people, if you have not seen Moon, uh, we recommend that you do because we'll be talking about it in spoilers and all. And this is a movie if you have not seen it, if you do not know anything about it. It is good to go in and let the film unfold in front of you. It's a science fiction movie, and it's about the moon. It's on the moon. There you go. Yeah, this this is one of the ones... Oh. Yeah, this is one of the ones where we have to point out we're talking about spoilers because you have to talk about the spoilers. And That's the movie. Yeah. The, the plot of this film is, yeah, like this isolationist mystery kind of thing going on, mm. so... And character study. So you're going to miss out if you walk into it knowing things. Yes. Uh, so, Bartek, you have not seen this film before. Is that correct? That's correct. And I told you last week to not look up anything about it. Just here's what year roughly it's from. And it's this movie with by this person. And these people are in it. And that was all I gave you. Like, off you go. Yeah. And you fathomed it was on the moon or involved the moon because it's got a cold moon. And it's a sci-fi movie. So probably involved it was, those aspects. It was either going to be something like what it turned out to be. Or it was going to be a 20-second uh, video filmed <laughs> on a phone of a bunch of uh bros going like oh he's gonna do it he's gonna do it and then they like moon the camera oh that was a hyper specific reference that i feel exists but i feel like you're pulling it out of your moon i'm pulling it out of my head moon 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 
uh, which was the name of a weird dog meme or wolf meme on what the was internet. It? Moon Moon. Moon Moon? Yeah. Sounds like a hippie kind of name. Exactly right. So uh, I have seen this film before. My history is I saw an advertisement for this film when it came out. I saw a singular ad. I cannot remember the ad now, but I saw a trailer for it on TV one day. One time. And I ran over and wrote the name of the movie down because it looked interesting and I wanted to remember it and see it eventually. It was one of those times where this was back in the day. I had to wait for this to come on DVD to ever watch it. So rent it or buy it on DVD because it would not actually come to my hometown to view in the cinema. I've never seen this movie on the big screen, only on my TV screen, which is a big disappointment. I'd love to see it on the big screen. It looks like one of those movies that would be fun. Uh, And I wrote it down. And then eventually my parents got it on DVD and we watched it. I didn't remember too much about what the trailer pitched to me. I just remembered it seemed like a cool sci-fi movie and I hadn't heard much word of mouth about it at the time. I watched it, thoroughly enjoyed it, really rose up the ranks of being a science fiction film that's in my watch list. I've watched it many times over the years. It's a film that uh, I've recommended to people, uh, people who are sci-fi fans uh, that I know who have not seen the movie. I say to them, oh, you should check out Moon. It's, it's, uh, if, you, if you like science fiction and you like a good character study movie, check out Moon. It's got a lot of stuff going for it. And most, if not all, the people I've recommended the film to have walked away with a positive experience from it or or have put it in their watch list. Or one of my friends, uh, Zaki, who's a big sci-fi guy, he, one time we were driving in his car, so this was quite some time later after showing him the movie, we were both at university, we caught up, he drove me around in his car, and he was playing this music on, on his, uh, in, his stere- on, in his stereo, and I wasn't really paying attention to chatting, and he said, do you know what this is? And I didn't really pick it up straight away, and he said, this is a soundtrack to Moon. I just love Moon's soundtrack that I played in my car all the time. It's just soothing to drive to. And I've had a really uh, great time with this. I've followed the work of uh, Duncan Jones for the most part. I haven't seen all of his films. I didn't see that Warcraft movie. That's not my scene. And he's a filmmaker with a very uneven filmography, to say the least. I've said to you on the podcast and off mic that you would really enjoy his follow-up film to this, Source Code. Yeah, you've talked about it a lot. I think it's your type of movie. You like Jake Gyllenhaal, a time loop thing, there's a mystery element. And it's really well, I think it's pretty well done. Uh, but I chose this one. I don't know why. I I was thinking source code or this, but I thought, let's talk about Moon because it's the more sci-fi one. It's set on the moon. It's got all this stuff. And uh, it's the one that uh, got my enthusiasm pumped to see more of this filmmaker's work. So that's my relationship and history with this. As you said, you haven't seen this before. Did you know anything at all? Was this a film? Once you started watching it, you you had any of the puzzle pieces come flying your way? No, I think... I mostly forgot about the things you said last week. Mm. Um, it was only like part way into the film. It's like, oh yeah, Ryan told me to just not look at anything up. So it was fine like that. The only thing that I would have done is like when I was searching for the film, I probably saw like the main character's name and that's it. You know, mm. Sam Bell's not a big spoiler or anything like Sam that. Sam Rockwell plays Sam Bell. Mm. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real creative, Duncan. <laughs> Dunky. 
Come on, get it together. And Duncan Jones, get it together. Duncan Jones, son of David Bowie, should mention that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how was watching this for you? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a good film. Really, really interesting. Um, as as intense as a lot of the things in it are, it's not so much an intense view. Like it's It's not like an action film or anything like that. It's very much, you have your conflict... And there isn't really too much focus on resolving that conflict. It's more like working through, you know, what you're given kind mm-hmm. of thing, which that was a really interesting spin. So walk us through what your viewing of this was like, because I remembered, well, when I first viewed this, I didn't know there was going to be a clone aspect. I I, I remember that reveal mm. of him driving to the, to the harvester that crashed. And I'm like, oh... Oh, he's not the guy that's in the harvester, is he? He's he's another one, and then he found himself in there, and then I, I when when he was ravel from there, I'm like, oh, when he was wiping the window, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be like a clone thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. <laughs> so how was that? Um, well, well, the first thing was uh, when you first see Sam Rockwell, he's you know running on a treadmill, you know, hair and beard, and I was like, oh, he's just ripping off my style. Yes, Mr. Jack Black, your style. Yeah. Only yours, Zach Galifianakis. Only yours. Mm-hmm. Go on. Yep. Um, and, and obviously after I got over that, you know, my big pet peeve of the film, um, <laughs> 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 I, I still think Evan Almighty had a stronger case of that. Mm. Um, <laughs> no, but but it... it, it, it <laughs> <laughs> You, you just stopped. You didn't even try to recover. You didn't even try to recover. You just stopped. You just uh, I shut down. Tur- I turned into Porky Pig. <laughs> I was going to continue on from what you were saying about finding the body, but then I wanted to talk about the robot, and then I just got lost. Like, which one do I talk about first? <laughs> well, walk us through your journey with the film. So, yeah, like you said, I... I that was a joke. Um... <laughs> Walked in blind, um, started understanding, like, okay, this is a guy alone on a moon base, so mm-hmm. there's going to be, like, you know, isolationist stuff, you works know, loneliness. For works for a company. The film opens with an ad, you know, much mm-hmm. like uh, Small Soldiers. I was into that. I really like that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and obviously, when you meet the robot, uh, Gertie. Uh-huh. Yep, I almost called him Gordy. Yeah. Um, I didn't pick up that it was Kevin Space. I forgot that you mentioned he was in the film. So when I saw it in the credits, I'm like, ooh, oh, he, it was Frank. Um, <laughs> we were letting him be. Uh, <laughs> he obviously spoke like HAL 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey. So, you know, it was obvious that the film was trying to make me think of that character and, you know, the things that <laughs> happened there. So it was like, okay, let's see. Um, when does he turn evil? Well, not so much when does he turn evil, but it's like, this is a really obvious influence, a really obvious thing that they're copying. So let's see, like, what they're actually doing there. They're obviously trying to make me think of HAL 9000. So how's it going to turn out? Obviously, there was, throughout the film, like, an element of suspicion. Um, <laughs> and also a lot of really interesting, you know, like, flips of, like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Or, like, oh, this is... In the end, it was a very sincere thing, very emotional thing that I you, really enjoyed. You got Ryan Johnson. Your expectations <laughs> were subverted. Because yeah. you're thinking, okay, I don't want to speak for you, but my sister and I have always said this. Mm-hmm. We were waiting for his angry face emoji. 
Because he oh, has his right. emoji yeah. and he has all of them. And you're waiting, at least for me, waiting for the angry one or the sinister one. Because you're mm. evoking How 9000, yeah. who is the iconic... He's just a red eye, and that's sinister. And you have this where he's just a friendly little emoji face, but that was sinister in itself because of he's a he's a company thing. Yeah, and, and there's something weird about corporate imagery, including the um, the emoji face. And, and, and you're waiting for the evil version of that too. Yeah, pop up. and and even then, like even putting aside like company stuff, things like that. It's it's relatively an innocent thing to do. Like, oh, he's using a common smiley face to indicate that he's happy and and a shifty face when yeah, he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously, you know, turning this semi wholesome thing dark would be like that's the thing people do. Like, oh, nursery rhymes, it's so creepy. Yeah, the obvious. Yeah. Um. So that possibly was there. Um. I I never never crossed my mind that like, oh, there might be an evil emoji coming. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> makes sense when you hear it, right? Like, yeah, it, if it does. If this film was made that way, he mm. would have his red, angry face emoji, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you would have that thing where the lights on the base shut down, and you have the emergency flashing lights, and all you see is Gertie's mechanical arm coming towards. Like that's the horror movie version. Yeah, of I was this. literally waiting for you to finish the mention. Like, yeah, that's the horror version. <laughs> um, so yeah, that we had that interesting character established, um, and yeah, the film takes its time to just establish, like, you know, this is what this, this character does. This is who he is. It's giving you all of these pieces so that you understand the status quo. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the accident happens and he suddenly wakes up. And it's like, oh, I guess Gertie's, you know, capable of Get retrieving again. him. But then <laughs> things start to get really weird. Like, even before that, actually, like, he's hallucinating someone sitting on the couch. Uh, the recording of the message, like, has a thing cut out of it. And there's just mm-hmm. all these, like, little things. It's like, okay, there's a... A recording of him pops up on one of the screens. Like, a, a version of him that's just, like randomly cuts in yeah 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 yeah. and then later in the movie that's the the screen he uses to watch all of the previous tapes yeah all the logs yeah um yeah so there's just this little sprinkling of like conspiracy you know being thrown Mm. out there and it's just just all these pieces are coming together really effectively and it's really nice um and i do like that kind of thing of like you know they're isolated like how does he even know like what day of the year it is is there like some sort of like time thing going on i was thinking you know very small scale like Mm -hmm. oh it's been like you know maybe four years or something, not yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, yeah, as the film goes on, you find out how much time uh, time has passed. It's definitely an element, but much bigger than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, the accident happens. He wakes up, and once he goes to investigate, and it's like, oh, is this a clone thing? It was a clone thing. <laughs> when that element started to click into gear, this is something to always talk about with a with a mystery film. Mm-hmm. This is a mystery. What's the picture? And then it's a problem-solving film. How do we do this? How do we do that? What's the best way to utilize this? As well as a character conflict film. I was about to say, yeah, how do we get along? How do we get along when we're the same person, but we're completely different because one of us has matured and one of us isn't? And also, the one who is mature is also immature. It's a great dynamic. But with a mystery thing like this, when they tip their hand and show you what's being played now, it, it depends what you feel about it. I Were you on board? Once it tipped its hand and said, it's a clone thing, or it started to show you and you realize it's a clone thing, how on board were you for that? I was on board. I mean, it, it's it's the it's the premise of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with, with that mystery, there's also this element of, you know, 
not only how are we going to solve it, but what sort of ending are we aiming for? Like, I was expecting, you know, just a sad ending of like, well, these two guys are both dead at the end of the film. Mm. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen. Um, the whole thing of like, oh, well, you know, one of us will get into the pod and get sent home. I was like, no, no, they're going to kill you. And mm-hmm. um, Obviously, the ending is a bit more different from that. Um, but yeah, there, there is just this whole thing of like, well, what do we do next? And you know, we still have that Gertie character who, mm. you know, he works for the company. He's recording everything. He's recording everything, but he's also very upfront about everything. Very helpful to them. I gotta say, every time I've watched this movie, I get... Because of what we know to be the uh, status quo of the AI character, I get overwhelmed and blown away how Gertie is presented in the movie because I can't say that Gertie is good because Gertie does terrible things. He he lies to them. He perpetuates this cycle of death, basically cycle of slavery and servitude and death, but he's good. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's this complex thing. And you want like, you're, you're trained via movies to go, he's going to be the corporate stooge AI that's going to benefit the company only and fuck over the heroes. But he goes out of his way to fuck over the company and help our hero because his central programming is to make sure that Sam's okay. Mm. And that follows its logical progression in the film, where in another film, like 2001... It's he wants to survive. Hal wants to survive, so he kills everyone else so he can survive. And that's where a lot of the AI stuff comes from, is they become sentient or self-aware and they want to survive, so they kill everyone else. Ha- uh, Gertie isn't uh, interested in self- self-preservation. self yeah. He's interested in the preservation of Sam Bell. And even before like the end of the film where like you know we can finally put like a full stop on what this character is we fully understand him like there are just little things he does where it's like well that didn't benefit him like he was successfully negotiated with so that sam too could leave the thing Mm -hmm. leave the base for a while um he the password scene where he enters the password very simply wholesome yeah it's just like you mentioned like he he tells lies uh it's i if More omissions of truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I have to, maybe I'll have to watch the film again, but it, it seems like he avoids telling the truth at times. Well, I mean, he does have his core lies. The the whole entire backstory of why what happened. Oh, that's Sam. true. Yeah, he that's even, a core lie. Yeah, he even admits like there was no accident. That was a lie. Yeah, and yeah. these are he does lie. Yeah, okay, but it's fair more enough. Yeah. Omission, more in the film, omissions of truth. Omissions of truth, and also, do you want to eat? Yeah, do you want to- <laughs> Hey, were you having a live conversation back there? Shifty face, shifty face. Can we change subjects? I love Are you Gertie. hungry? <laughs> I love Gertie so much. And obviously the big central lie of uh, making Sam believe that he's the one guy that's ever been here. That's mm. a lie, because there are points where Sam asks, am I a clone? And Gertie, yeah. Uh, uh, because Gertie has an arc in the movie. It's not as if Gertie immediately becomes the nice Gertie that we know by the end. Gertie interacts with these two Sams, and he starts to warm up to them as the movie goes along as well. It's not as if he's the wholesome AI from the... Hence, we have that sinister nature because of movies, but also just because Gertie is doing shifty things. He is talking to the company. He is waking up other Sams. He is doing 
things. It's, yeah. It's, it's not like he's just this bystander. He's in charge of things, but he's good in the end. Uh, but but you, from my understanding, you had this expectation that the movie was going to be a lot more sinister and dour, perhaps, or, or a lot more bittersweet than it actually ends, ended up being as you were watching. Um, definitely for the ending, I was thinking more bittersweet. Like, obviously, I mentioned, you know, I thought they were going to die, but I thought there would be, like, something to it, like some... Mm. Some sort of light that you could walk away with. There is. There is, yeah. The, 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 just the ending was a lot more positive than I was expecting. And of course, like you said, Gertie, different to what you expect. Constantly subverting the expectations. Does things that does not benefit the company or Gertie himself. But actually it does, because Gertie's whole mission is to make sure Sam's okay. Mm. And so it's like, yeah, here's the password. My favorite scene with Gertie is, uh, and it's it rides the line because it's very funny. But it, the music is what really sells it, and the uh, my love for the character of Sam and Gertie is when Gertie cries, when he has his little tear face emoji happen, and he's mm. holding Sam's shoulder with his robot arm. You could look at that and think it's very funny, just the visual of it, and he, like the tear, like <laughs> this robot can only express emotions through the coldness of an, a crying emoji. Mm. But it hit me. I don't know about you. How did you feel about that? Um, when it happened, obviously, it was like, okay, yeah, he's sad. Um, but when I was reading up stuff about the film later on, um, someone pointed out, like, that that emoji wasn't directed at Sam. Mm. It was just something that he did, which gives you this yeah. impression that, like, oh, that then that means that it was, like, super, super sincere and genuine because, you know, he wasn't making a show of the fact that he was using a crying emoji to Sam. He was just using it yeah. on his own. Right? Yeah. The film is filled with amazing details like that. The more you think about it and the more you watch it and read about it, the more it adds. Like One of the ones I like is that first viewing was seeing the picture of the rescue team that was coming for him. And you're like, oh, those guys aren't rescue people, are they? They're going to kill you because they look like motherfuckers. One of the, yeah, <laughs> one of the Sams even mentions, like, rescue from what? <laughs> yeah. So overall, you enjoyed the film. I did, yeah. I don't want to say that this is a film that I would uh, say is a sci-fi movie made for you, but in a way, it is because we've talked about science fiction films in the past and sci-fi in the past, and you have had you've talked about your barriers with the genre and how there are certain types of things you like to see. And to me, Moon is a great example of something that would cater to your needs as a sci-fi viewer, where it's not too outlandish and fantastical. It's grounded in something we understand, mm -hmm. especially now with isolation, with with lockdowns and all that. Boy, do we relate to Sam even more nowadays and losing track of time and all of that. But you also really like uh, when a genre piece utilizes uh, the storytelling structure of uh, upping the stakes in a mystery type of deal. We've talked about that in the past. Yeah, so yeah. I thought you would be really hooked in for the ride of Sam finding himself and then the two interacting with each other. And what's the eventual end goal of the movie from there? What happens? How do these guys live or not? What what progresses from there? Yeah, when you're stuck in this place where you, you know, you can't leave and you don't have information, like what ending can you really aim for? Mm-hmm. And it aims for a happy-ish one. You know, it's still sad because which Sam did you like? Yeah, it's. I, I guess that question itself 
uh, brings us to a point of like this is these are two characters played by the exact same actor but they feel very distinct which is yeah. something worthy of praise Sam Rockwell's fucking amazing in this. Mm, yeah, he was great. He's an amazing actor. I, I can't remember what you've seen him in. Have, I, we, I can't remember if we've had him on the podcast was he, before. Was he we, in G-Force? He was a voice in G-Force, I'm pretty sure. A voice or it's, one of the people. I can't, rem- voice, I can't remember sure. if he was a voice in G-Force or if you had a thing where you thought someone was him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Sam Rockwell was in G-Force, but uh, he's been in a ton of movies. He's an Oscar-winning actor now. Uh, he's amazing in this. Uh, he was in Charlie's Angels. I don't know if you ever watched the Cameron Diaz Charlie's Angels. I saw it once. Yeah, he was the uh, spoiler alert for Charlie's Angels. He was the bad guy, kind of. He was a uh, the handsome, sexy, romantic interest who was actually the turncoat baddie, and it was awesome in that because Sam Rockwell is a he's a working actor. He's always in things. He's always working. He's a handsomeish man, so he can play to those strengths. But in this movie, he's just a dude who's he's two dudes, and you can really transform Sam Rockwell by how well his hair is combed. Because the mm. new Sam, his hair is just combed much nicer than the older well, one. Ge- and he looks very different. In general, the new Sam is very clean and healthy, whereas the other one is just like gross, becoming grosser as the film goes on because he's just like not changing his bloody shirt. Mm. That's literally bloody shirt, not just like mm. I hate the shirt. Mm. Um, and yeah, he's he's still recovering from the accident, and it's very clear that like oh, this this clone is degrading in some way. And even and even before that though, right when we first meet. Sam, him, but when he has his beard and all that trimmed off, and of course, at his most handsome, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he trims that, even then, when he bef- when he's going out to the harvester, Sam Rockwell just carries himself physically different as well. He's he's kind of got this more zen nature to him, and then when we have the new Sam, he's rigid, Mister Military Macho Man with his aviator glasses, and he's a fuckhead you know that type of deal yeah yeah which i i guess the logic there is that like he's more based on what the original sam was like when mm. the when the start when the when it started when whatever the dna that was provided was like like mm. it was before he did all the like little miniatures and yeah things like yeah. that talking to plants yeah and he's just spent time so you progress and uh all of that so so yeah i love the film it's one of my favorite science fiction films of recent years i've often said that uh this is probably the best science fiction film, uh, you know, in the 2000s. Mm. And I still stick by that, honestly. Not Avatar? No, this is better than Avatar. Mm. I care about f- people for one. That's a different. You remember names? I remember names. There's fewer to remember, but <laughs> there's names. <laughs> no, I do. This is, a, this is, to me, one of the best science fiction films in the last 20 or so years, for sure. I think the new yeah, Blade. Right. I think the new Blade Runner is very good, uh, but I'm more emotionally attached to this film, not just because I've had a good time with it, but the characters I'm more emotionally invested in than in Blade Runner 2049. But Blade Runner 2049 is still a really good fucking movie. Mm. Ticks a lot of boxes for me as a sci-fi fan and as just a movie viewer. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy Moon. I love the soundtrack. We had a guest on a few years back, our friend uh, Matt Brown. He came on for for Tommy, mm-hmm. and we talked afterwards. You were there. We were talking music stuff, and uh, we are talking about, like, composers that we like and soundtracks that we like. And I brought up Moon's soundtrack, and he just clapped his hands like, oh, yeah, Mansell, he knows how to do music. That guy knows it. And I actually do believe 
I brought up, or at least meant to bring up, the soundtrack to Moon when we did Confessions, the Japanese film in mm-hmm. our horror month that we recently did a couple couple weeks back, a month or two back now, where I complained about how the music in that felt too much like a corporate uh, company music that you would play at a slideshow presentation. Yeah, yeah, I remember that for sure. And I said that can work in certain moods, and this is an example of how that works because the music here feels like it's music made by the corporation in the movie. Hence, when you opened up the movie, you you said you really like how this and Small Soldiers and other movies, how they open up with their little fake ads and their little things like that. Mm-hmm. We open up with that in this movie and the music carries through as well as the visuals of the bass and it's constantly reminding you of the of Luna Industries' giant corporate hand over this narrative, even though the the corporate bad guys are just on a computer screen or TV screen and they're really far away. You can barely yeah. tell who they are. <laughs> For how far away I was, you know, when I was watching the screen, it's like I couldn't make them out at all. And, like, later on when I finished the film, I went back and I was, like, right up to the screen. I'm like, oh, you, you can, can, ba- you you can still- see them a little better. I can recognize Matt Berry now, but it's still very small. They're distant. Yeah. In numerous ways. <laughs> uh, but what did you think? I, I know you don't always pay attention to soundtracks in movies, but what did you think about this one? Did, it, did For sure, I would have to rewatch the film to really make a statement about that, but it probably worked, you know, subconsciously. Like, the film does open on what you were saying, so it would have, yeah, maybe lingered in my head a bit more. But I know it's not lingering with you now, but what do you think about uh, we, how I talked about confessions and how that one doesn't really work here? Well, here, I think it works more, this this uh, corporate industry soundtrack where it would play while you're doing an Adobe Photoshop update presentation. Well, my immediate reaction was, which film named Confessions? Because we've done, like, three. <laughs> I know. The Japanese one. The Japanese one, yeah. Um... Not Confessions of Temptations, The Confessions of a Marriage Counselor, or Confessions Confessions of of a Shopaholic. Shopaholic. Yeah, which I rewatched not too long ago. (laughs) We need to do uh, another Confessions movie. Just to... Yeah, we'll have to find something. We'll open up the next year with it. (laughs) Um, How do I feel about uh, this... What was the question again? Using this kind of soundtrack? Yeah, the the fact that you can have what sounds like a corporate slideshow music soundtrack to a movie that can actually be used effectively. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think objectively it sounds like it would be a good thing for like a dystopia type of film. And we, I guess we don't know fully for sure, you know, how dystopic Earth is in this film, but, you know, based on our understanding of this company and what a big deal it is and and what they're doing on the moon base is like an internationally, you know, Mm -hmm. effort thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. the world evidently is fucked where they need to mine the moon to keep the Earth operating the way yeah, we need yeah. the tech to operate. I guess, yeah. It's it, corporate dystopia. Yeah, corporate. For sure. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things like, oh, this company's doing such a good thing. You can imagine, that, like, you know, in the public of this movie's Earth. You know, like, oh, lunar industries are so great, but you don't know that they're doing, like, something super unethical that makes one, well, not one particular person, but... A person played by one actor, we'll say, um, you know, very uh, not in a good place. I like how the film rides a line of being cynical and optimistic. There's this 
warm feeling you get when the movie's wrapping up where the pieces fall into place where this Sam is here and this Sam is there and this one's being woken up here and when they have to when Gertie comes up and says hey I know everything and they can read me and this will be all over deactivate me you know reset me my memories will be this and the little back and forth. you get a warm feeling there it's like oh this is all this is all coming up and that moment where Sam stops the the door from closing and he runs off and he activates all the harvesters to hit the towers so that there's an actual communications through the base mm, to to give Earth. the next one a chance to give the next one a chance you get this warm feeling of yes and he beats those guys finding him and he flies back and you know he gets back to earth and you have the the voiceovers and all that and then there's that cynical thing where the movie ends with the, the shock jock guy being like i don't know what he is but he's an illegal alien and he should get the hell out of here like that, that cynical <laughs> yeah. nothing fucking changes this guy's come from the moon he's revealed this injustice beyond the most demeaning in human ways and people will still defend the company being like i don't know who this fucking guy is but what i can tell you is he's an alien and he doesn't belong here how dare he speak bad about the corporation i I get what you're saying there and and the fact that you know they, they deliberately chose that to give you a sense of what you were just saying there about how, you know, nothing's changed. But I do like the notion of, like, oh, well, if you can't change the shock jock's mind, then, you know, you haven't done anything. <laughs> no, exactly. exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, it's I do, a, I do. It's, that, it's, it's meant to spit in the eye of hope. At it's, the end. It's, like, meant to, it's meant to be someone from the public showing you, like, oh, not everyone's convinced. Yeah, yeah which, is, which is awesome. So what did you think about how, how the two characters, the two Sams, mm-hmm interacted with each other and how they were characterized because it is a thing of they are two very distinct characters but they're the same person played by the exact same actor uh one of the first things that really kind of like caught me of like oh this this it's interesting this character's chosen to do it it's with sam too mm-hmm. how he very quickly grasps the concept of you know cloning mm-hmm. and how quickly he accepts that he is a clone and tries to get that across to Sam One, as we know him. Yeah, yeah. Um, because at this point, you know, we still, we, the audience, and those two still do not know for sure if that first Sam is the original or not. Yeah, yeah. And it almost seems like, you know, just a ridiculous notion for that Sam to, like, you know, consider, like, I'm a clone? No, no way, no way. Mm-hmm. Um Right and right there, that establishes a difference between them. But I, I really enjoy the fact that that second Sam, you know, is very quick onto you mm-hmm. know, grasping the situation, and and almost accepting the fact that he's not the real one. Yeah, but then they still both have those emotional attachments. Yeah, they they still have the genuine feelings for sure. Those attachments to the life that they think they've lived, mm. to the daughter that they think they have, yeah. I to guess, the wife that they yeah. think they have. Another, you know, narrative possibility that was in my head is like, "Oh, are, are they going to fight over like which one gets to go back?" You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cuz it's not like one of them could just like, "Oh, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll sacrifice it. Fuck these And feelings. that's an emotional growth of the characters too, because Sam too is trying to be selfless here hey you go back you've served your time i'll stay here and die probably and all of that and you go back and and of course it doesn't happen like that but uh you're right i like that the there's a complex weaving here because you could easily fumble this where the first sam 
is ignorant to the truth of the situation and denies it. Uh, and it makes sense why he does. He's been there for three years and he's been conditioned to believe that he'll be leaving soon. Yeah. And he, he has hope. Yeah. And he's not, and he doesn't have like the logical things in step to show him that like, well, there's no way that I'm the first one. Yeah. And also he is mentally and physically deteriorating as we see uh, the, the loneliness has gotten to him. He just wants a handshake. Mm. His second one, the, the new same won't give it to him. Maybe later. <laughs> Your radiated tampon, maybe later. <laughs> but uh, uh, but then the second Sam, he is cocky and he is a prick, though. So as much as he's making sense of things, he's very uncaring and very rude about it. And he knows that. He has to work on that. And that's yeah. where the conflict really gels. But the great thing about it, too, is he is lacking in some areas where the other one is, isn't. And that's what makes the dynamic good. Because if the dynamic was... Sam 2's logical and right, and the other one isn't, mm. you wouldn't be invested in the character yeah, conflict both, because it's one-sided. Yeah, both characters have moments where you, the audience, is like, come on, man, listen to him, or things like that. Or, like, open your heart. Mm. Open your heart to both of them, but they're both pricks to one another at points. I love the music scene. <laughs> they turn off the music scene. Turn it off! Turn it off! <laughs> like, how the original one just keep playing and dancing, like, at a... He's a little fuck you. I can't hear you. It's so silly. I love that so much. The movie's funny too. That's something we should mention. We're talking about this. It's very emotional, complex. It's got levity there. For sure, yeah. Matt Berry's in the movie. He's the funniest one, yeah. Why is he in this? <laughs> like, I know this is a British thing, because there's British people. They even have to write into the script why Sam's wife is British or Irish. Uh, because it's a UK production, but why is Matt Berry here? It, I don't understand. Like, I, at the time, I didn't know who ba- Matt Berry was. Mm-hmm. But shortly after, I did, because the IT crowd and all that came out. And so it's been super weird for me to see Matt Berry, Matt Berry, from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, be in probably one of the greatest science fiction films of the last 20 years casually there not doing the thing that matt berry does which is be funny he's not funny in the movie he's just a corporate stooge there there's no reason why like it's one of those things where i'm glad that he isn't being funny because we don't need that from him in this movie but it is a weird thing where we have certain expectations of actors if we know their work and if we know their personas. And when they don't do those things, you try to find a reason why that isn't happening. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just Duncan Jones must know Matt Berry and threw him in the movie. Or he was just someone that they had in the movie. But it's just super interesting now, after all these years, seeing how Matt Berry's progressed as an actor and he's still doing all these wacky characters, to go back and he's in 2000... Like, he's in what is our current generation's version of 2001. This big, this cool sci-fi thing, and Matt Berry's in it. Could you imagine if we had 2001 Space Odyssey and just Peter Sellers was casually in there? Just Peter Sellers is casually in the movie. So I thought I thought you were going to go for another James Franco dig. Okay. Could you imagine if James Franco was in this movie playing his stoner guy from Pineapple Express? Can you imagine if Kevin Smith was in this movie casually? Can you imagine if Kevin Spacey was in this film? In it, yes. Voice-wise, perfect. <laughs> um, 
I, I mean, I don't really have any idea of like why Matt Berry specifically, but I did get that they were going for like a bit of an international thing there. It was like, mm. oh, we got this American main character. One of the people on the phone is British. The other, I forget what the other one sounded like, but I think he was also. I know, think he's Chinese. Chinese, yeah, and Benedict and the Wong. Co- yeah, and the company is Korean, so it's like, oh, they, it's an international future, two thousand thirty-five or whenever it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, did you have a favorite scene or sequence? I did enjoy a lot of the Gertie scenes, so it might be one of those. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to nail it down to just one. It's, it's tough. It, it, all, all the scenes really just kind of work together. I don't really think there was any, you know, wasted scene no. or anything like that. This is a lean movie. It, it knows exactly where it needs to go and hits all the beats. I personally really like the scene in which Sam won, we'll call him, I think he's the fifth Sam. Yeah, he is. Uh, where he discovers the secret room. Mm-hmm. I love that type of sequence, as do you, where the characters are looking around their environment that they've been in this whole time and they figure out that something's wrong. Yeah, there was something secret here all the whole time. And I thought it was a clever reveal where it was. I thought that was a neat idea. Of, it's just right next to the it's place like, where yeah, they dispose of bodies. It's in a room that he had access to the whole time, but he doesn't really have any reason to ever really spend time there. There's no reason to use it. Yeah, this, this will be the final room that I'm in for my job. Yeah, yeah. And so he never goes in there. So why would he need to suspect that it's there's a secret thing in there or even look for a secret thing in there? I like the lullaby music that plays when they go down there. And they open up the drawer, and there's a Sam inside of it, and he looks like a little baby, and he has, like, plastic things under him of, like, open these up when he's awake, which is awesome. <laughs> Be- before he does that, like, they- it plays that uh, message from the guy who's like, you finish your job, and good things job. like that, and it's like, you know, this really positive thing, and he ends it with, like, goodbye, and it's like, hmm, that's a bit of a conclusive mm. farewell. And then... I like the touch that when he's on the ground investigating, there's still some ashes <laughs> remaining on the thing. Like, he wipes his finger on some, and there's still some on the ground. Like, it wasn't all cleaned <laughs> up. He's just gross. <laughs> like, he's mm. touching a version of himself. Well, it's me. Cook. Yeah, it's a decomposed, like, ashes version of myself. Ugh. I, uh... I uh, also really like the scene. I wanted to get your thoughts on the scene where Sam one drives out and phones home. How did you feel about that? Where he phones home and he gets his daughter and the real Sam is in the house too. How did you feel about how all of that kind of uh, answered or recontextualized a lot of things? Because I was was curious of what did you think about the original Sam? There must be an original Sam, right? Or is this Sam the original Sam, the first Sam that we meet? Because in that phone call, it is concretely... The first Sam is at home chilling with his daughter. I, I guess I didn't fully connect the voice of like, oh, there is someone else there. And like, that's the whole thing. It's like, you are not going to be this character's father. Mm-hmm. There's someone or- else already there. So it didn't even click to me like, oh, that has to be the original Sam. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I enjoyed how, because that was Sam too that was on the phone. How, you know, this was the kind of uh, rougher, angrier Sam and just how tender he got when he was talking to his daughter. Like, No, it was the first Sam. The second one watched it back, didn't he? The- it was the first Sam, you're right. It's the first Sam. My and mistake. then the second one watched it back and yep. he was broken up about it, but not as much as the first Sam because he already came to terms with he's a clone. Yeah, well, putting aside what I was thinking there about it being the second Sam, I did like how 
tender his voice became, like when he yeah. was talking to the girl. Um, How did Mummy die? He, yeah, he wasn't. It, obviously, there were a lot of pauses there, much like me just now. But um, it he didn't let it overwhelm him. You know, he didn't break down or else, you know act all creepy or anything like that. He he got very. You know, he he's seen what his daughter looks like growing up now. It's just, I can imagine that could have been a really touching moment if, if that was real. And you're right, he doesn't... Sam Rockwell and the direction, they hit the right level. It's not creepy. It's not overarched. It's not pathetic. It's genuinely heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time. Him talking to his daughter and asking how did mummy die and then hearing himself say, oh, who's asking about mummy? All that, and then he has to hang up. It is a perfectly played performance in that moment because you could you could fuck that up. It's easy to fuck that up. But Sam Rockwell doesn't fuck up in this movie. He's so good. And for you, this feels like it's ostensibly your first time seeing a Sam Rockwell performance. Definitely your first time seeing a lead Sam Rockwell performance. Uh, yeah, I'd have to look up his filmography, but Double it check feels it. like it, yeah. He was in Matchstick Men, the I Ridley guess, Scott film with I, Nicolas Cage, and I, he was awesome in that. I guess if he was the main character, then G-Force would be the first one. <laughs> no, Nicolas Cage was in that too. He was my main character. He was absent for so much of it. But he was my main character, <laughs> fuck you. We thought he was dead for- Sorry, spoilers for G-Force, guys. I know, we- we started this episode with spoilers when for this. When you grow up, make sure to kill <laughs> you in race. Ryan in editing put, uh, there's also spoilers for G-Force. There's also message. spoilers for G-Force, the Disney <laughs> film. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, and what, what do you think about the original Sam? The, the, what, the, how, how, uh, how involved is he in this? Like, how do you judge that character? He's not in the film, but he's a part of this process. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the impression I get is that he gave consent at one point and then didn't have to do anything else, so he just got to live his life. Do you think he knows about what they're doing? I feel like he might know at least a little bit about it. I mean, I feel like he might know that the DNA is used for, you know, cloning and things like that. So how does that real? Okay, so, so we're both... Yeah, I agree. I think the original Sam knew. He's totally cool with it. And he's totally fine. And he probably got paid a shit ton. And that means that the original Sam is a piece of shit. Right? That's a piece of shit thing to do. Yeah. It's morally bankrupt to do. At least that's what the film is dictating to us. The film definitely comes down on the corporate, this whole thing's evil and bad. And if the original Sam is cool with this and he's totally down with this and let it happen and actively participated in it, it means he's a shitty dude. Not a great guy. That means, because this is a person we're talking about, that these Sams, that's something that they're capable, that, are they capable of that? Or is this that true thing of, are they their own when, individuals? When the character of Sam Bell doesn't have cloning blues, then yeah, he's an asshole, I guess. Yeah, but it does make the case of that age-old thing of the clones. Are they their own people? Uh, do they have a soul? Do they have their own individuality? Or 
are they not? Yeah, especially like the the sci-fi type of clone who's like, oh, we. It's not like the real life clone where it's like, oh, we, we used your genetics and made mm. a new baby. That's different, obviously. But this is like with imprinted memories. This and- is like perfect copy that we just made. That's based exactly on this person. But once they find out they're a clone, obviously, you know, it's you're not perfect because you're, you're different. And you're bringing up nature versus nurture stuff because yeah. he's living a different life. Up there on the moon. Yeah, the only person you'll ever talk to is Gertie, and you'll see recordings from people. Mm-hmm. And you're almost, because Gertie says there's a program. Yeah. We've perfectly played this, so we don't even need to really make new messages for you, because you're always going to respond the same way. Mm. But now, things have changed. These two Sams know what's happening, and they respond in different ways to each other as well as to what the original Sam was. So that opens the doorway of the complexities of them being real people, them being alive, them being people with souls or individuality and a conscience. All of it is a floodgate that's opened now because there is that argument to me that they are just corporate property things. They're not real people, but... Yeah, and they aren't going to that extent of, like, well, they're never going to find out, so how, Mm. you know, bad could it really be? And we also have to discuss they've got the replicant thing from Blade Runner, where they have a prescribed lifetime by the looks of it. You're surviving for about three years and then you die. Then we get a new one. That's my interpretation of how it works, right? The original, the the Sam one that we're calling him, he's reaching the end of the clone life cycle. And that's why you get a new one and you get a new one and you get a new one. That's why they have what looks like hundreds of them down there. Yeah, I I, I got that impression too, but there's also just a bit of confusion of like, oh, well, maybe he just didn't recover from the accident very well. But then the other Sams and the logs have the same symptoms as he does. Yeah. The hair falling out, the teeth, the blood... Uh, all of that. So it's that Blade Runner thing as well, where, where how alive are you when you are given when you an ha- when actual you, lifespan? When you have planned obsolescence, yeah. Yeah. You're a tool, yeah. You're a tool. And it makes it sadder because we're watching these two Sams and you get invested them in them as people. Emotionally, you get invested in them as people and you want them to overcome the odds and make it out okay. But even though Sam 2, Sam 6, gets home in the end, what's he got? He doesn't have his family. He's going to have to sue the company, bring the original Sam in for questioning, and he probably won't get to live an actual full life in the way he has to make the best of it. For the three years is gone. And how would you feel meeting a version of yourself that's dying and you know that's how you're going to die? Because think about that. The whole entire film, the look on Sam Rockwell's face as Sam 2 of looking at himself and he's disgusted with himself for what a weirdo he's become. But also that look of, that's going to be me. I'm going to end up like this guy. How would you feel about that? That would fuck with you, right? Yeah, unless... <laughs> no, this isn't really a, a, a consolation, but it's like, unless you die before that. It's like, it's either that Unless or... you kill yourself. Yeah. Would you rather end your own you life or have it end like that? 
This whole time when we're talking about the whole cloning thing, I'm thinking of like the first Metal Gear Solid. That's a big, mm. big thing in it to the point that when the game ends, there's Brother. a whole. <laughs> no, after that, after he's died, like there's a whole mono. Spoiler alert for Metal Gear Solid. Uh, yes, uh, Liquid Snake put- doesn't make it. <laughs> yeah, and that's not even what I was going to talk about. But yeah, put that put that in the beginning of the episode too. Spoilers for Moon G Force and Metal Gear Solid from 1998 or whatever. <laughs> All three are related somehow. Yeah, but um, yeah, the main character of that game, Snake, is himself a clone, and the big part of that game is all about like, do your genes defy you? Things like mm-hmm. that, and like the message at the end is, you know, don't let your genes defy you. Make your own life, and that's obviously meant to be like an allegorical thing to tell people. But like, mm. this character would have to take it literally, which that's just kind of a funny thought I'm having. And another, when it comes to these, this is the joy of sci-fi for me. It gets you spiraling out into thoughts that aren't necessarily touched upon in the movie, but inherently come with it because of just rationality. If the Sam goes back down to Earth, finds love and has a kid, what is that kid? Is that a real person or not? Because they're... Or can he breed? Can he? I don't know. Would they allow that? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Would um would the fact that he's a clone have any sort of impact on a child's life? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Would they be fucked genetically? Because they do talk about Gertie talks about that the 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 cloning process isn't perfect, hence they do die. But also, like that's an intentional thing that they put genetic abnormalities and all of that to fuck with them, and they have edited memories. It's not as if it's a direct transfer. That's a thing too. Is he an actual full clone of Sam Bell if he does have edited memories? Or is he just a partial... Is he a, an echo of Sam Bell? Well, he's got the base, at least. Yeah, he's got the physical. But again, F- physical what makes a-, a person? Uh, memories, yeah. Yeah? Memories and attitudes? So he might not even be all that similar to what Sam Bell was like if they have, as they say, edited memories to suit what they need. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which goes against something we said earlier, but that's a good point. Right? But that's what I'm saying. Like, you start going down one path, then you go, wait, but the movie did bring up this path, so it takes you down these avenues of discussion and thought, and that's what I love about Moon. It makes me think, and it makes me feel. Sometimes the sci-fi genre, and uh, we've talked about this with you, they're very clinical. They either make you think, or you have Interstellar, where it's like, love transcends black. Oh, fuck off. Or was it Star Trek Discovery that, like, got faith <laughs> wrong or something like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Don't even get me started about fucking Star Trek Discovery, where where the, the same show... Where Tune into spoiler, spoiler alert for Star Trek Discovery Season 3, where the entire universe got fucked in the ass because a guy screamed really loud because his mummy died. This Fuck po- you. This podcast brought to you by Yum Yum Cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is uh, that... that with a genre like this, for people who aren't into it as much, that is a barrier, right? Where sometimes they're way too on the emotional side and not enough on the uh, logical side, or they're too cold and clinical sci-fi. You want that middle ground where you want to think about it, but you also want some feelings involved, too. Yeah, and this one and uh, Enemy Mind definitely hit the feelings. And Babylon 5. And Babylon 5. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and, and and another thing that I think is one of my barriers is sometimes when the uh, 
actual like science gets a bit too complicated i find that a bit hard to follow yeah yeah. usually yeah. i either have to like pause and like you know look up what it's get a saying whiteboard out, or write it all down or just trust that i'll catch up eventually which i have done for some things like even even paprika like i like that mm. film but a lot of its concepts you know was falling uh through me um this one didn't though no well there wasn't as much there what did you think about the corporate plan that did uh, present itself of how why Sam exists. How did you feel about that? The whole we're making clones so that they work forever. Yeah, um, I think there was some line about efficiency somewhere, and that pretty much, you know, that established line, if that line did exist, because I'm not remembering, <laughs> uh, pretty much spells out like, hey, you've got infinite clones or someone online did the maths and it's like you have half a millennium's worth of clones Mm -hmm. if you have literally this many based on Mm. these numerical factors that you can gather from the film um so why wouldn't you you know do that do that and it also goes back to that like uh a question that i've heard in religion class i don't know how common this is in like religion theology but like is it ethical to get one person to suffer eternally if it makes everyone else happy, that kind of thing. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But then you also have with this is it's a capitalist agenda. Yeah. It's not even like with the religious agenda where you have like that concept of, yeah, the self-sacrificing, suffering for the benefit of the greater good. The Jesus died for our sins. No, it's Jesus died so that the Romans could get a buck. That type of deal. Mm. That's what makes Sam uh, someone to root for even more so. And you want him to overcome the odds rather than succumb to the odds. Yeah, you you, you talked about how you... I, I keep tying back to this, but you were mm-hmm. expecting a, a bit more of a, of a, a sadder ending yep. to this. How, like... You liked how it had a happier ending. Why? If you were expecting a sadder one, how did the film manage to pull off subverting that expectation and still make you satisfied as a viewer? Because I was like you when I first watched it. I expected him to it to be sadder, but I get uplifted, which is not what I was expecting on that first viewing. Um, well, I guess with this film, I wasn't necessarily rooting for myself to be right about it being mm-hmm. a sad ending. and all, And beyond that... Um, like you said, it was an uplifting thing. Like the characters who, the the not that many characters. Uh, we have Gertie and Sam One who willingly chose to, you know, give up something. Sam One giving up the chance to go home and just like dying very soon, and Gertie. We've already mentioned how important memories are. He's going to delete his memories for the benefit of Sam. Yeah, and his growth. And it's and it was just very you know, sincere and to the point, like, look, I'm going to do this for you. Yeah. And ca- character growth. It, it was really good. It earned it. Yeah. Because, see, saying it worked because it's uplifting doesn't, because there are many movies that have uplifting things and it's it falls flat because yeah. it's disingenuous. Yeah, but like you said, it's earned. It's earned. You, you bought it along the way. Like... Uh, I don't know where it is for you, but there comes a point in the movie and in stories like this where you know that this is going to have a more positive outlook as a film rather than a negative one. 
because at least for myself but when i watched it i thought once the two sams became a team i had a feeling they wouldn't kill these guys in the way of like the guys come in or shoot i feel like it wouldn't have had a a dour ending once the two got on and started to form a friendship especially when you get to that scene i know it's a bit later on where they're both recollecting their versions of meeting their wife mm. and the one falls asleep and puts the helmet on and he's like a little baby for him like it's very <laughs> sad and sweet but that's a bit later but there does come a point in these type of stories where the film presents itself and you pick it up you go oh it wouldn't make sense for the film to end the way I thought it would have when I started it. At least that's how I think when mm. I view movies. Uh, you know, me, I'm a bit more of an analytical yeah, thinker if, when if, I'm watching a movie even for the first time. If it hits certain notes, then you'll think of, you know, what sort of notes might come later. Yeah, because if the film played out exactly how it does, but the final ending of it, the, the last two minutes, were a depressing he dies ending... It would be a bait and switch, even though it was what you thought it could have been in the first place, because yeah. the film had led you wound down one road. I guess this isn't a Last Jedi thing, right? Where it's like subverting expectations all the time to the point of incoherent or, or disingenuous, or for the sake of it. it, it it followed its progression. I guess if I did have one, um, mine would be a bit earlier in the film. It's it's when they had the fight. And after, you know... When they had the physical punch-up? Yeah, when they had the physical punch-up and Sam 1 bled from it, even though Sam 2 wasn't, you know, hitting him that hard. Like, the concern that Sam 2 had for Sam 1, it was like, oh, they've immediately turned off, you know, the tension with that Mm. character. It was like, okay, there is... He is rational in this moment, and I feel like there is, you know, a possibility here of something a bit more uplifting. Is there any negatives you have with this? Um... Because I'm very biased. I've seen this multiple times. It was a big, impactful movie for me in my in my adolescence. So I have a bit of a hard time giving any negatives. But to me, this is a a perfect film. It has everything I would want no, in it. Nobody mooned the camera. Okay, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Seriously though, like like. Uh, oh no, there was a shower scene, so maybe technically there was a bum. Yeah, you got a bum in here. Sam Rockwell <laughs> cheeks. Go and take it back. I, t- I, I think it's double perfect. <laughs> there is double perfect. One for each cheek. <laughs> <laughs> one for each Sam. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That we see. That we, well, we no, see, we see uh, a third one. Shit, there's the same there's, three. There's three Sams. Yeah. Technically, we see more on the TV screens. One and a half perfect. Okay. But uh, I don't know. I, I'd love to hear from people who don't like this movie what their, their deal is. And if they're sci-fi fans that don't like this movie, I... I can't nitpick this. This is exactly what I want. Everything falls into place. It earns all of its things. The acting is phenomenal. It subverts expectations in the most positive of ways of doing that. I think we have become poisoned to the idea of subversion of expectations in certain pieces of media, thanks to stuff like Last Jedi and other things like Game of Thrones and mm. and stuff. And definitely, like uh, in recent, in like the past twenty years, we have a lot of things that like you know take old genres but want to do them differently from how they used to be. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, with, like, DC films, like, oh, we've taken superhero films, but they're really dark now. Gritty. Yeah. I I praise the film for being as optimistic as it is. Because to me, and to you, it's easier 
and so much lazier and common and formulaic for this to have been a dark film in which it's a horror film. Ooh, there's an evil Sam or, or yeah. it's a horror thing. <laughs> We've or, talked about possibilities, yeah. It's harder to garner sympathy and empathy from the audience in a setting like this, especially when it's a mystery that's revealing itself and we as viewers are programmed and familiar with how these stories go, that you, we should commend more movies that that champion this type of warmth. But it isn't compromising the cynical, harsh edges that are in the story either. No, sure. I want more movies like this. I want more sci-fi. I want more of this. It's great to have your cold, cynical, everybody's an asshole movie. I love those too. But mm, I need more of this. Yeah, um... Yeah, I'm not as passionate about it as you are, but I really think that what it is just works. Like, again, nothing's wasted. The performances are great. There aren't many, so it's easy to nail a few. Um, yeah, this is a film that works and it's good. Like, I, yeah. if there are flaws in it, I feel like I might have to nitpick to find them, but, you know, I don't really feel like doing that. <laughs> How do you feel about this being first time film from Duncan Jones, first feature film? It's a good one. Could you imagine being the son of David Bowie, having to make a... And you're making a space movie, which, of course, David Bowie, space, very iconic things joined together. And you're you're the son of the Starman himself, and you're making a sci-fi movie that doesn't have your dad's music in it, has no references directly to your dad's work, and and it's your first film, feature film, and it's fucking great <laughs> like awesome i i wish duncan jones's filmography was better than it is he to me this and source code are really the only ones worth checking out he has a follow-up film to this yeah i read about that mute which is uh a divisive film mm-hmm. i don't like it let's just say that that has a uh conclusion to sam bell which is my least favorite thing in Mute, because if you were going to do a conclusion to Sam Bell's character, I'd rather have watched a film with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, not one where legitimately, Bartek, it is they're, they're on the TV screen in the background, and then the camera zooms up to the TV screen, and we're seeing now what's happening on the TV, and it is Sam taking them to court, and the whole courtroom is filled with Sam Bells. It's like they've woken up all the clones which I think would be weird. Why would you do that? Because you're kind of activating a death sentence for what you said is half a millennia worth of people. Mm. Uh, that's just me. And it's silly. It's played really comedically. And it sounds like, yeah, like gag spin-off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little gag ending. And I, I, I didn't need that. If you're going to give me a conclusion, give me a full film. Not, don't give me this fucking Easter egg bullshit in another movie where you're going to sucker me in to watch it because I liked Moon. Fuck that shit. I was almost going to say something offensive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't mind a an expanded universe having the same universe reference Sam Bell, maybe even have him do a cameo in a different way, but don't give me the, this is his conclusion, look at him, he's taking him... Fuck you. I hate that so much. I was going to say, yeah, they should have pushed him into a puddle. Yeah, oh, <laughs> glass style. See, I like Soldier, for instance, where that's a, a side sequel in the Blade Runner universe, but they didn't need to bring Harrison Ford in and just say, he's in court 
finding out if he's a replicant. You know, I don't need that from that movie. It's just set in the same universe. You get the understanding. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah you forget about that, but it is. And uh, that's all I have to say about Mute. Paul Rudd's in it, and he's like a... I don't even know how to describe his character, but he's a creep. And it doesn't work because it's Paul Rudd who's like the nicest guy. You can't buy him as a weirdo. Mm. Paul Rudd, Ant-Man? Over my dead body. Yeah. Yeah. He was in that, right? Over her dead body, yeah. He was in that? He was the male lead, wasn't he? He, he was, I guess. It's been a while. I remember Jason Biggs in that. <laughs> uh, Jason Biggs, that's the guy from American Pie. Yeah, he was yeah, pretending yeah. to be gay to get with the girl, mm. which was lovely of him to do. That was an episode we did, Over Her Dead Body. Classic. Uh, Ryan and Editing put spoilers for Over Her Dead Body. Oh, shit, guys. I'm letting them all out of the back. Oh, and spoilers for Mute. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Spoilers Fuck. for Mute. I'm sorry. Uh, I haven't spoiled Source Code because I do think you would like it, and it has twists and turns. Obviously, it's a mystery. Who's who's exploding the train? Uh, spoilers, a train explodes in, in that movie. Fuck. And Russell Peters is in it. <laughs> Fuck. As Ben Green. <laughs> Fuck. Russell Peters. Mm, That's a question well. like, Fuck? Yeah, like, should I say fuck? I don't know. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Moon? Um, it's good. Should we discuss uh, the elephant in the room? We skirted around it. Kevin Spacey's in it mm-hmm. as a voice. Yeah. Is there anything we should actually say about that? Because people react very weirdly. I mean, rightfully so about Kevin Spacey's existence now because he's a weirdo, mm-hmm. uh, alleged sex pervert. I think that's the correct thing to say because he hasn't formally been charged with anything, right? Like, like he's been taken to court, and weirdly enough, most of the people who have done that have mysteriously died. Hmm. Uh, I'm not implying anything with that. And each year he gives us a scary Christmas video <laughs> in which it's almost like he's threatening to hurt us. Uh, he seems evasive. All I liked Kevin Spacey as an actor. I think he's a very good actor, and I loved him in this movie, and I still do. Uh, I don't condone the man uh, at all, and that's okay. Uh, I believe death of the author and artist still exists, but uh, I also think another factor of why I enjoy Gertie is he subverts the Kevin Spacey, which is Kevin Spacey was Mr. I play villains and everything, or twist reveal, I'm a villain. Kevin Spacey inherently plays villainous characters, and so casting him as the HAL 9000 role seems like, oh, it all falls into place. It writes itself. So to actually have that stunt casting be subverted, that was also something I appreciated in the movie, and I still appreciate. I know that stuff doesn't always... uh, You don't always think of that stuff when watching things, but uh, what do you think about that, about Kevin Spacey? Because you've seen him in things. You know the type of roles he likes Mm -hmm. to play and what he is like. (laughs) He plays villains and acts villainous in real life. Yeah, I agree. He did a good job in this, and I'm fine with Death of the Author, so yeah, no no issues there for me. We recommend the moon. It's a good time. Recommend the moon. Look at it at night. Yes. I, re- I told you to watch this at night. It's a good nighttime film. Mm. And then you said, of course, it's harder to see the moon in the daytime. Oh yeah, I did say And that. it made <laughs> me laugh. And then I told my wife Rachel that, and she said... Bartek's got to Bartek it up sometimes. That was her response. Jokes on her. Ryan gave me a laugh emoji response. I I thought it was funny. It made me laugh. It was one of those (laughs) moments where 
Sometimes you'll give me a random reply or message and it's so in your voice (laughs) in text that it makes me laugh because I'm imagining you saying it and it's written exactly how you talk. My, yeah, my mind was going through a bunch of like responses like, oh, you can see the moon during the day, but it's harder to see it. Yeah. I I won't reference that part. I'll just say it's easier to see it. And I let it go. I let that part go. I was going to let it, I let it slide because I, 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 you amused me enough (laughs) where it was good. Uh, so next episode is our Christmas holiday special episode, I do believe. Yes, Listening People's Choice and the episode before Christmas. And uh, we have one Christmas movie, I do believe. On the list. On the list. Yeah, I mentioned it last week. That uh, we have something obvious. Uh, do you want to tell the title, if you remember? Um, I'm trying to remember the verb. I believe it's Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Which I understand... Is a piece of shit. Is, is one of those good-bad films. Oh, good. I hope it's good-bad. I'm, I'm looking Th- that's forward what I've, to it. That's what I've known about it for ages. So it's best that we're watching this for the first time alone. Because <laughs> that's how you enjoy good-bad movies. Are you going to watch it alone? Well, Rachel will be here, but it's not the same when you just... You know, a group environment is the best time to watch these good-bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's as if uh, on the pod, if I ever recommended a Neil Breen movie and we didn't watch it as a group and we watched it individually on our own, we would come back yeah, here I'd, and be I'd, like, I have nightmares. I'd have to forbid you and Rachel from watching it together. You have to watch it individually. Because I don't want to miss out. But you know. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Nothing says Christmas like Neil Breen. But no, next time we'll be covering Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. So that will be a fun time. Ho, ho, ho. Uh, that is it for now. Uh, you can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. We are on all of the podcast hosting sites, so you can follow us and subscribe to us on there. We're on YouTube as well. We've been reported. So, <sighs> unfortunately, our YouTube We've has deactivated been... the dislike buttons for you to be able just, to see how many we get. Yeah. Just to give everyone context, we received a comment, and I think it was filtered out so you can't see, but we received a comment from someone on our- Obviously labeled a- review yeah, telling no, us- Yeah, no, it was, it was on the Around the World in 80 Days Unappreciated Masterpieces episode that was literally, in perfect grammar, you are already reported. <laughs> As soon as I saw that, I had to let Ryan know, like, fuck, it's over. We've, we're already reported. We've been, we're arrested. It's like that scene in South Park when they arrest one of the children and the animation is having them flip around all over the place because they're so small. <laughs> That's us, but we're reported. I'd like to imagine. Uh, uh. Maybe, maybe the commenter is, like, someone who just woke up from a really long coma and he remembers the time where YouTube videos had to be under 10 minutes and he just saw, like, this is over two hours or whatever. You are reported. You are uh, already reported. You are already I want that framed on my wall. But uh, that is it. Uh, That is all I have to give you for this podcast edition of the show. Come back for our poetry edition of the show and our dance version. It's a shame that this is audio because then if it was video, we could moon you all, but it's not going to happen. Just use your imagination. Mm. Just remember, I'm hairy. (laughs) 